0: Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Anyway, we've got a brand new theme this week called Sharpening Your Spiritual Edge sharpening your spiritual edge. We're going to talk about it a little bit. I've been working on this thought for weeks and weeks. I've been practicing a little bit in uh, uh, some wor- a word I'm going to bring you next week. I was working on in Poland and just something fresh. Uh, I've been studying the life of Elisha and very, very powerful stuff we'll bring to you this month. Anyway, let's get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God. Make no mistake. These are not arbitrary words. These are not just ancient texts that were dug up somewhere in a cave. These are the words that God has authenticated by his own presence, by his own power, with his promises to confirm his word. And so we're going to look at that word today. I want you to start open to Acts chapter 8, if you have your copy of God's word with you. I want to talk about Philip a little bit. Philip was a deacon. He was one of the uh, uh, appointed... Helpers around the early church when the apostles started getting so busy that they, were, they weren't spending time with God in the presence of God. And so they, they formed these, deacon, these deacons. It wasn't a committee. It was a group of spirit-filled men that would really go after God and help them take care of the daily needs of the people. And so this was going on. Philip was one of the appointed. And then he is sent out in Acts chapter 8 as an evangelist, to Samaria, and he goes and holds a crusade, and the power of God hits the place, and all kinds of miracles happen. And it says in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8, now an angel Lord spoke to Philip, saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now, I want to stop right there. It's not dessert. (laughs) Dessert is two S's, Sometimes, and, and you know, my, my wife has a, has a pillow in her house that says, stressed is just dessert spelled backwards. <laughs> anyway, uh, isn't it interesting? This guy has this huge crusade. Thousands of people get saved, fill the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles happen. And God tells him now, guess what, guess what your next assignment is, Phil? You're going to the desert. <laughs> Great news for all of us, right? And as he goes to the desert, watch this, verse 27, so he arose and went. I want you to notice there's no pause there or said, and he questioned God and said, I need 10 confirmations, okay? He arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Opians, they knew her as Queen Candy, but you don't know that. Anyway, Queen Candy, who had, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Now, I don't know how you run, but if there's a horse and a chariot going along at a good clip, you need God to outrun a chariot. Philip ran toward the chariot and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said to him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot and stop running. Amen. And the Bible goes on to say Philip preached Jesus to him from Isaiah 53 that he was reading. Like an early church Bible study, he went from thousands to minister to one person. And in that humility, the anointing of God hit that chariot and that man got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately baptized in an oasis. Two other verses and then we'll we'll move on. Galatians five sixteen from the message says this, my counsel, Paul writes, is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feel the compulsions of selfishness. You might know it as walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Finally, Ecclesiastes ten ten from the NIV says this, if the acts, is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. I want to say it this way if you become exhausted from the last season of time, maybe you're, you're using too much of your own strength, and maybe you've lost your spiritual edge. Let's pray together one more time. Father, would you open the eyes of our heart today? Let my message, pardon me, and my preaching not be with the enticing words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of your spirit and power. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and manifest your presence and your power in this place. You know what everybody needs today. You know where everybody has an expectation and a hope and a desire. And we ask you to come and meet each need, meet each person at our point of faith and excitement and focus on you. Reveal yourself to anyone who's struggling today, whether in the room or watching us online. You are where they are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I almost thought Pastor Chris was going to preach my message for a minute. As so often happens, he kind of tapped the spiritual flow. And I'm grateful for it. You know, there's such a thing as, I use air quotes, nominal Christianity. Nominal Christianity. You might not know what that is. Um, I'm kind of hoping that you don't. <clears throat> but socially, you can be a church going Christian. But with a more religious view of serving the Lord through rituals and routines, symbolism and liturgy and candles and formal prayers and going on Sundays and all that kind of thing. Nominal Christianity is, this is the word Pastor Chris used, compartmentalized. That you have God in a little compartment over here, but you don't have that all-encompassing relationship where God is invited and permitted into every aspect of your life. The Bible says such things as whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I mean, when the Bible talks about your hands, it talks about your work, your work. So God is in your work life. My father-in-law was a businessman and gave his life to the Lord, but for years struggled for a while with the whole concept of well, how do I have God in business? Because in business, to Him as an entrepreneur, He was having to go right up to the edge of lying and uh, uh, using what He called salesmanship to try to invoke something, and and so He had trouble seeing. Well, how does this fit with that? And I'm telling you that God wants to be involved in your work life as much as he's involved in your church life. He wants to be involved in your relationships as much as he is involved in your prayers. He is not going to be put in a little box. And if you come to that place where you actually invite Jesus in, I've told you before that that, uh, when uh, my wife was my girlfriend... In high school, when we first met, she said, uh, one of the first things she was interested to find out from me is, are you a Christian? And I said, "Uh, why? She said, because I can only date Christians. I said, yes, I'm a Christian. (laughs) And in my mind, I was a nominal Christian. I went to church every Sunday with my parents. I grew up in Sunday school. I I knew the Bible stories. I didn't know him accurately. I still thought that the book of Job was about a job. But I, but I didn't, I, so I didn't understand certain things. I, 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 I remember the story of Jacob wrestling with God, but I thought it was cool Jacob was a wrestler. Like I was thinking, you know, Dusty Rhodes, and you know, anyway, some of you don't even remember who those guys are. I was thinking of other, like wrestler wrestlers, you know. And so I had all this jumble in my brain of all this stuff going on, but if, but, but to, to, you know, yeah, baby, I'm a Christian. Well, I wasn't real, I wasn't saved, but I had people around me. I had my aunt that prayed for me and she kept telling me, and and this really did, this helped lead me to the Lord eventually by the time I was 19. But my aunt kept telling me, when you get in trouble, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that doesn't just mean going to heaven when you die. That means get out of the jam. God will help you out of the jam. So I remembered that. And every time I got into a jam, I called upon the name of the Lord. Now that didn't make me saved either. But at 19, something went from here to here. And this became a relationship. This became a relationship with Christ, with Jesus, that has impacted every day of my life since that day. The problem with compartmentalized nominal Christianity is this. How many were nervous about the vaccine a few years ago for COVID? We, you know, you get nervous about it, You get nervous about it. Well, you know what a vaccine is? A vaccine is injecting yourself with enough of something so that when the real thing comes along, you won't get it. Nominal Christianity is the same thing. It can almost vaccinate you so that you don't recognize the real thing when it comes along. Because you go, well, I don't like religion. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. And so when God starts to approach you, you begin to wrestle with God instead of inviting him in because you've been vaccinated. So we need the antidote for the vaccination. And that is an on-fire, on-time, vibrant, Daily walk with Jesus. That's what it is. Relationship with Jesus and enjoying the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is a completely different thing. The older that I get, the more I I value this one aspect of my life more than any other thing. Being led by the Holy Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, getting excited about your salvation encounter with the living God is awesome and amazing. When you first get saved, and you, uh, and listen, if you've never gotten excited about the Lord, you better go back and find out if you really have a relationship with Him. Because most of us, when we first got that, the light bulb moment from here to here, and you go, oh my gosh, this is real. You get excited about Him. Now, Keeping that excitement for a lifetime is the problem. That's the challenge. We can all get excitement. When I first got saved, when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit six years after I got saved in the privacy of my own home. And for a while after that, every time I just lift my hands up, because I, I was in a church where we didn't lift our hands, and all of a sudden I'm a hand raiser in and, 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 and that kind of church, this kind of church, and I lifted my hands up for a while. Every time I just said, Jesus... I just felt whew, like like almost that goosebump experience but how many of you know that the goosebumps don't always last the goosebumps are not the proof of the anointing the goosebumps are not the proof that God is with you or not with you it's his loving grace that comes around you as a, just like just like as a child as a as a baby listen you know the the the, my My younger grandkids, and, and there's an amen right there. the younger my youngest grandkids, they still, when they see me, they just lift their hands up, Papa, pick me up. Part of, I think that is when, when you have those baby moments with God and, and where you're starting to grow again, that born again, you, you're, you're growing you're that baby, those goosebumps are God just picking you up, but eventually. He sets you down and says, okay, now we're going to walk together. And and I'm not going to baby you. You're not a baby anymore. See, if you need to be babied when you've been walking with God for five, six years, then we have a problem. We have a problem because you're supposed to be growing. You're supposed to be growing. Keeping the passion for God for a lifetime is the challenge. Now, not only is it possible. It's very real, but you have to know how to do it. That's what we're going to talk about this month. Like any important relationship, you have to feed the internal fire. The Bible says without fuel, fuel, the fire goes out. Without fuel, the fire goes out. So you have to keep putting fuel on the fire. You have to feed that, and that's the point of this month. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, I love this verse. Jeremiah writes, he got, by the way, let me just set this up. Jeremiah kind of got upset because he was getting persecuted for everything God said to do. He did it, and then, you know, people got mad at him and teased him and mocked him, and he was kind of a laughing stock. So he, in verse 9, he he says to himself, Then I said to myself, in other words, I will not make mention of God anymore nor speak any more in his name. You ever tried that? Once you get filled with the fire of God, this is, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. Right. This is what Jeremiah writes. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. He said, I got upset with God and decided I'm not going to be a prophet. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to speak in his name anymore. And it lasted about 10 minutes. (laughs) Because his word was in me like a fire. Shut up inside my bones. And I couldn't help myself. I had to preach his word. I had to declare his power. I had to talk about his healing and his miracles. My friends, whether you realize it or not, we all have a spiritual edge. Our edge is the measure of the energy and vibrancy of our current God connection. That edge is never based on how strong or on fire you used to be. A lot of times people will tell you, oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, he's going through something right now, but, man, he used to be on fire for God. Well, used to be doesn't count in 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 fire. Used to be means you out. Means you're, you're, you're making an ash of yourself. I didn't say anything bad. I just, it just means that all this left is old... What, what used to burn? And there's nothing burning now. It's maybe some smoldering. It's about right now. It's about right now. That edge is not based on what used to be. It's only measured in the present. The last few years, we've seen too many... Once-on-fire Christians actually begin to question the very fabrics of their faith, lose their zeal for God and His house, and ultimately fall away. We heard of Christian musicians doing it. We heard of Christian pa- pastors doing it. We've heard of whole churches going with the world flow and denouncing the Word of God. <clears throat> My goodness, at a, at a gathering of um, Lutheran priests and bishops in Germany... Two weeks ago, the head of the Lutheran denomination in Germany stood up and he said, It's time for us to say that God is, and he used Q, the Q word, it called God Q. And the assembly of pastors clapped their hands, gave him an ovation. My friends, it's it's such a bizarre time, but we even have, it's become so common, we even have a new defining terminology called deconstruction, where the enemy is putting all these false prophets on TikTok and, and other social media to try to talk to the next generation and talk them out of the foundations and the fabrics of their faith. Even what I said earlier about the Bible being the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of God. They'll give you a thousand reasons why it's not. And I'm telling you, those kinds of things, to me, deconstruction sounds an awful lot like destruction. Because that's where it leads. So the answer is, we've got to do something inside of us to sharpen our spiritual edge. Not lose it when it becomes dull. Reminds me of a, of a billboard I saw in South Bend, Indiana, one time while visiting the great Doctor. Lester Sumrall. His billboard outside of his church on the highway said, "Feed your faith, but starve starve your doubts to death." You want to keep going. You want to keep growing. You got to feed your faith. You got to get some. You got to get some word in you, so that it's a fire inside of your bones. Remember, faith is a spiritual force. It's not an emotional or mental exercise. Faith is a spiritual force. It emanates from the inner man, the hidden man of the heart, not the intellect, not the mind. God wants us to be renewed in our mind, but our spirit is that place of connection with the Holy Ghost. This month, we're gonna focus on getting closer to God and building ourselves up in faith. When I started thinking about the the epistles, the 13 letters of Paul the Apostle in the New Testament, to the churches that he oversaw and felt responsible for, I realized each letter is a call to sharpen up, to grow and strengthen, to mature, and to build the kingdom of God. Not one of those letters is just a mamby-pamby, hey, how's it going? Hope you're still living for God the end. It's about, hey, we got to correct this. We got to adjust that. Now, I want to say this very clearly because I know, I think this needs to be said, and I don't know what your, we got multiple generations here. We got all kinds of diversity in the room, and I love that about now, church. I'm thankful for you, but let me just say this to you. The Bible teaches this principle. In Hebrews chapter 12, correction is not rejection. That's not in my notes, but it's a bonus. <laughs> Write it down. Correction is not rejection. The word says in Hebrews 12 that the, that the Lord only corrects those he loves. Amen. He only adjusts those he cares about to keep you from going over the edge into the abyss of life. If you've received some adjustment and some correction, I know there are a lot of people that were raised in dysfunctional families or without a family at all. And I get it. I understand it. But you better know this. If somebody is trying to say something to you, I'm not talking about the negative Nelly and somebody that's always badgering you about how bad everything is. I'm not talking about about, um, fault-finding. I'm talking about a genuine adjustment from somebody who has the right to speak into your life. Okay? For somebody that loves you, somebody's earned the right to speak, somebody that's loved you enough and showed you that love has a right then, especially people that, are, that love the Lord, that are spiritual in your life, that love Jesus, don't take a little adjustment as a bam. You, it, it's, what you're, it's the way you're hearing it, not the way they're saying it, maybe. I'm not talking about abuse here. I'm just talking about there are, there are, there, there's a correction. The Bible says that a, a person who loves their kids corrects them. It says a, a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. If you, if you, if you spare the rod, see, we, we say in America, spare the rod, spoil the child. No, that's not true. The word says, if you spare the rod, if you won't bring correction when it's needed, you hate your child. Wow. That's a big difference. Now, I will say, in grandparent mode, which I'm enjoying now, the rod of correction is not our job. The lollipop of blessing is. Amen. That's why you got to live long enough to have your grandchildren. Because then you get to be good cop and let the parents be bad cop. And then you can go home or when the children, grandchildren go home, you can smile to yourself for all the times that your kids said how unfair you were to bring them adjustment. So just hang on to it and don't smile, don't gloat. Don't gloat about it. Because then you don't get to enjoy it as much because then the kids, they know they're on to you. But if you can quietly come back and say, "Ooh, they used my words that they said they would never say. <laughs> he 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 he. It's just the satisfaction of living long. In the text we see Philip being so dependent on his relationship with the Holy Spirit that he literally ran to the place the Lord said in order to listen to a man reading aloud from Isaiah 53 and then said, do you understand what you're reading? What a divine appointment. From crowds of thousands, Philip remained humble enough to follow the Holy Spirit to simply reach one person, lead him to Christ, and baptize him in an ordering hole in the middle of the desert. Do you know when, when, uh, when Danny... Kelsey and I were in Serbia two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Just last week. I don't remember. It's like two weeks ago, I guess. It's going by so quick. The pastors in Serbia and Macedonia said to us, we're so glad you're here. American preachers won't come to Eastern Europe. And I said, well, that's funny because I've been coming for years. And I realized it's because there's not a standard of taking care of us like like we take care of guest speakers and things like that. They don't have that standard, but I don't care. I'm not there for an award ceremony or for the fruit basket. I usually just juggle in the room anyway because I'm not a big fruit guy. I don't want to go bananas in the room. Well, anyway, I could, I do. I better move on from that one. <clears throat> the fact is... That some people they won 't go there, they said well they won 't come here well that 's not true, but I realize a lot of a lot of guys won 't even think about going to those places, but it 's because they 're used to the crowds and the noise and the and the this and the that when we were in macedonia we were we were just in a little tiny room because the, there was a big flood in the church building that was There was a, the the church in Macedonia and Skopje is on the bottom floor of a 17 story high rise. And they had a leak right over the pulpit and over the auditorium for the last five weeks before we got there. And it was like they had trash cans and buckets all around, and it was a mess. And they kept having people that were going to fix it. And then those people started mysteriously getting sick or having accidents or going to the hospital and nobody could fix it. And so we were out in the foyer that was about the size, well, half the platform. We had, we had close to 40 people, 50 people, something like that, 30 people. We had, we had a room about half size of this platform and everybody's in the one room. And I'm aware right then that a lot of guys won't come there, but I'm gonna. I gave them the same heart and soul and the same passion for Jesus that I'm giving you this morning. Why? Because it's not about all that stuff. Philip had to had to say, "Okay, God, what's the next thing? If we got these five thousand people, what's the next thing? Ten thousand? No. Go to the desert, Phil. Go to the desert." Uh, I don't think I heard from God right. No, the Bible says, God said, the Holy Spirit said, go that way to the south along the Gaza, the road to Gaza, and, and go there to the desert place. And he left and went at once. Part of, I think, what we need to make sure we're keeping in our edge is that Willingness to simply obey the next thing God says to do. His edge was sharp. His spirit was open. His obedience impacted a nation. This guy was the secretary of treasury for the nation of Ethiopia. That's who he was. Phil didn't know that going down there trying to outrun a chariot. He didn't know that. Church history tells us that such a large number of Ethiopians received Christ through that man, either directly or indirectly, that there is still, 2,000 years later, a huge community of believers in Ethiopia today. Because one man cared enough about one other man. And then go, Well, I'm not going there. I just had a big crowd. Who cares? We need to be able to sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit that same way today. To discern His voice, to pick up on His unctions. Remember, I told you about my watch, that it, it unctions me. Every time I get this, it's called haptics. It taps me uh, if my workout is over or if I didn't work out. It taps me and says, Hey, hey, big boy, it's time to run. Get out there. And I get this little tap, tap, and I have to check it and see what it, what it says. It's a little tap. God does that to your spirit. The Holy Spirit, when your edge is sharp enough, you'll get the unction in your spirit, that little tap-tap, and you know you have to do something, say something, go to someone, serve someone, tip someone extra, whatever it, whatever it is, there's little unctions for you to do something. But here's the problem. The Bible says that if you harden yourself to the tap-tap, then eventually it'll, it'll turn down, not turn up. God's not gonna scream at you, I'm telling you, do this. Usually what he does is that tap tap starts to fade and fade and fade until you also, until you almost can't pick it up. Until you fall on your face again and say, God, where have you been? I, I've been missing you. I need you. We need that. To me, to that's the walking in the spirit thing. I'm gonna give you a couple of definitions and I'm done. To me, walking in the spirit is not some flaky, super spiritual elitism. It's not reserved for a few prayer warriors. Um, back when I was the youth pastor in, in Orlando a, at the big church down there, we, we, had, uh, you know, we had a lot of people come around for healing and miracle services. And some of them were, some had a weird look in their eye. Let me just put it that way. We called them privately. The pastor said, woo-woo alert. <laughs> woo alert meant don't let that person drain you. Because all they are is woo spooky. Like, you know, one time this lady came in, she brought, she brought this book on deliverance. It was a big thing in the 70s and 80s called Pigs in the Parlor and had lists of all these groupings of demons and strongholds and, and this kind of thing. And this lady came to me, and she, she had an appointment to come, and she said, I need demons cast out of me. I said, uh, and I said well, what do you, what's going on? She said, well, they're on page 800, you know, or 85, whatever else, it, under the listing of this and this. I said, well, what, do, what, what are you going through? She said, well, I need you to cast out the spirit of slumber, and, and the spirit of gluttony. And I said, okay, so what makes you think that this is a demon thing and not just your flesh? <clears throat> she said, well, because God keeps telling me to get up at 5 a.m. to pray and I keep falling asleep. And I said, what about the gluttony? She said, well, I keep on being hungry and eating the wrong foods. I said, ma'am, if you need deliverance from that, then the whole church needs prayer right now. I said, we need, to, we need to get you help. help. I'll pray with you. The prayer of agreement reminds me of a story I heard years ago. Uh, uh, an evangelist was casting out a spirit of gluttony out of a young man. And the man kind of froze like this. And he, and, and, and he said, come out of him in Jesus' name, you spirit of gluttony. And the man looked at him and said, I will for a cookie. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Anyway. Sorry, an old preacher joke. Anyway, listen, here to me, this is my definition of what I figured out over the last 36 years of ministry and and years of walking with the Holy Spirit. To me, I define walking in the Spirit as this, having a continual awareness of God and availability to Him. That's my definition, okay? Having an awareness of God all the time. I can be hanging around with grandkids or playing in the pool or going to Disney World. And if I get an unction, I am available, open, and obedient to do what God says to do next. I I, I have been in certain things where I was in a dangerous situation, didn't know it, and I took a step to the right and something came right there. I mean, if you have an unction from God, and the Bible says you do, you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. That doesn't mean you're a know-it-all. It means you you know what you need to know when you need to know it by the Holy Spirit. If you just stay sensitive enough, that's the key. I'll finish with this. Develop your spiritual senses. You want to sharpen your spiritual edge, you've got to keep developing your spiritual senses discerning moments discerning seasons <clears throat> just like just like your five senses the, the you know people went through some some people that got covid we had a, a dear friend in boston who lost her sense of smell and taste for a year and a half almost 2 years maybe 2 years and it started to come back slowly you can lose those that sensitivity to certain of your senses. In the spirit, it's the same way. We don't look for demons under every bush. We don't have to. But listen, Jesus wasn't a demon hunter, but every time he was out there moving and just teaching, preaching, and healing, something would happen and a demon would manifest. When the heat comes up, the, the devils will manifest. And when that thing pokes its its head up, then you smack it and you cast it out in Jesus' name. But we're we're not on the hunt for those things, but in our lives when they rise up, we're not afraid of them when they do. Because we speak in the name of Jesus, not in our name. You develop those senses. You discern. You discern the spirit. You discern what's going on. Not in some flaky sort of way, but your radar has to be tuned in. It's time to grow up into spiritual maturity. Hebrews 5 says, when you're a baby, you primarily need milk. But as you get your teeth, you need to eat some meat. I always say to my grandkids, if you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. <laughs> Ten people in the church know Pink Floyd. But anyway, that's a, I hit a wall there. <clears throat> Look it up. Anyway. Oftentimes, the devil's plan is to overwhelm you with all these images in the world in order to desensitize your spirit. The Bible says, exercise yourself unto godliness. Exercise yourself. Exercise your senses. I say it this way, use them or lose them. Let's be like Philip, ready to drop everything, to flow with the Holy Spirit and change one life this week in case you hadn't noticed we're in a very real spiritual battle but the great news is this as long as we keep fighting the good fight of faith we win because Jesus already won we're not trying to get a victory we already have victory in him we're trying to manifest the victory that Jesus already won 2,000 years ago demons are already defeated we just have to enforce In Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your precious word, your precious blood, your name and your spirit. Today, Lord, we just thank you that you're bigger and above every situation and circumstance that people might find themselves in today. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, but maybe in this moment you've been struggling with something that has gotten from a something that was bothering you or dealing, dealing with you, you become obsessed with something. You you become obsessed. That's often how the enemy works, to distract you, desensitize you. And they get you so vexed about one little thing that you forget the big picture Today, Jesus wants to meet with you right where you are. I'm so thrilled today to see Clifton Guntram here in service, to see Tasha Moses in service. Last weekend, both of those precious folks were taken to the hospital with all kinds of serious things and painful things and things went on in their lives. Maybe you've gone through something like that. I'll tell you what, it's better to have a praying church around you than to be in those places alone. But whatever it is you're going through today, I want you to know our God is the answer. And like my aunt told me, if you'll call upon the name of Jesus today, you will be set free. You will be released. You will be led by the Spirit of God. He will walk with you If you'll ask him to help you to grow and to sharpen that spiritual sword in Jesus' name. If you don't know Jesus, ask him today. The beginning place is Jesus come into my heart. That gets you from nominal head knowledge into experiential encounter with God. But there's more after that too. There's a whole walk of his love, his forgiveness, his grace, and his power. Receive it in Jesus' name. Give him your whole heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get that today? Amen. Praise God. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.